kind of like uh, showing how Jeremiah's words were fulfilled. Not in Jeremiah's words, but it would be kind of appropriate to annex to the book of Jeremiah kind of an appendix that shows here's what happened just exactly like Jeremiah said it would happen. And so that's what 52 really is. Make sense? So we'll look for a moment here at 52. Uh, This is kind of... uh, you know, the additions to Jeremiah, maybe we should say. So, 52, verses 1 through 11. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Helotal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libnah. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, like all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of the Lord this came about in Jerusalem, and Judah until he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Now it came about in the ninth year of his reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his army, against Jerusalem, camped against it, and built a siege wall all around it. So the city was under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city was broken into, and all the men of war fled, and went forth from the city at night by way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden, though the Chaldeans were all around the city, and they went by the way of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king, and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, and he passed sentence on him. The king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and he also slaughtered all the princes of Judah in Riblah. Then he blinded the eyes of Zedekiah, and the king of Babylon bound him with bronze fetters and brought him to Babylon and put him in prison until the day of his death. Okay. So we have uh, this last king of Judah, Zedekiah. I don't know who wrote this, probably not Jeremiah, but uh, uh, it's showing the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecies, kind of validating them, and it agrees almost word for word with the end of 2 Kings, the last uh, chapter and a half of 2 Kings. But Zedekiah is 21 years old, he becomes king. Babylon makes him king. Uh, He is uh, the uncle of the king they took into captivity, Jehoiachin. And uh, he does evil inside of the Lord, just like Jehoiakim had done. And God is angry with Judah and Jerusalem until he cast them out. All because of Zedekiah's rebellion against the king of Judah. His rebelling against the king of Judah sort of sinks the ship. And uh, he double-crossed uh, Babylon. Uh, I said against, what did I say? I said the king of Judah. Yeah, the king of Babylon. Thank mm-hmm. you. His rebellion against the king of Babylon, against Nebuchadnezzar, was the final straw for Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar comes in to destroy Jerusalem. Now, the destruction of Jerusalem is such a significant event that is recorded over and over again in the Old Testament. You find the destruction of Jerusalem in 2 Kings 25, 2 Chronicles 36, Jeremiah 39, and this chapter. Four different chapters dedicated to the fall of Jerusalem. And so... The siege blockades the city. You can't get supplies in or out. Eventually they eat the food that has been stored in the city and people start starving, which is not a real good thing. And uh, finally, the city's broken into. If 
I assume a wall was breached, and the gallant soldiers, led by their uh, brave king himself, managed to escape and flee away from Jerusalem. So much for defending the city, defending the poor citizens of the city, and so forth. You know, they uh, they they scramble as soon as they can get out of the city. Uh, probably the army would have been too weak to fight Babylon anyway because of uh, their starvation. And the Chaldean army doesn't really help to flee. They manage to catch up to Zedekiah and his army. And uh, they bring Zedekiah to the king of Babylon. And uh, they slaughter the princes of Judah and the sons of of Zedekiah before his very eyes. The last image he sees is his sons getting killed before they blind him. And they take him to Babylon. So, that's a pretty sad picture of how things end with the terrible siege, the starvation, the breaching of the wall, Zedekiah and the people and the, the army, the princes flee, but then he's captured, he sees the princes and his sons killed before his eyes, and then he's blinded and becomes a prisoner in Babylon until his death. Comments and questions on that? Mike? Can I just say, though, Jeremiah had begged Zedekiah to go out to the king of Babylon, if you'll just go out, you will live. Yeah. And now, he does go out, but he's fleeing, and that wasn't the way it was supposed to happen. So, you know, can we trust in our own security and our own wisdom? God's way is not conventional, but is the only one that is in Sir? Just to point out that at this time, when, his, when he was blinded, he was 32 years old. Yes. Which is kind of a, he, to me it was a, a bit of a sobering thought that, you know, that's, that seems so very young. I wonder how old his children are that are killed in front of his eyes. I mean, if, if he had children born to him before he became king. I mean, the ones after, we're talking 11 years old or younger. Yeah. It's all really sad. What did Zedekiah think would happen? I suppose he thought Egypt would come and help. Okay, he wasn't relying on God to say No. Okay, but he thought he was going to say something. Zedekiah kept asking Jeremiah to tell him the word of the Lord, hoping the Lord would save him. But Jeremiah always told him, the Lord's against you. And so, I don't know, Zedekiah was just a, a very weak king. He let himself get pressured and manipulated by leaders in the country. He reminds me of the Old Testament Pilate. You know, he kind of sympathized with Jeremiah, but he'd never have guts enough to do what he said. So he was afraid of the Jews retaliating against him if he tried to surrender and things like that. See, like, I can understand people who are, like, sincerely misguided. I can't understand people like that who don't actually do what they think is right or who, you know, let themselves be pushed around by other people. There's a lot of people who don't have firm determination to act on what they believe is right. And he was one of them. I mean, he was kind of wishy-washy, kind of back and forth. May have been why Babylon picked him. They thought they could manipulate him, but it didn't work so well as that. Other thoughts?
Alright, 12 to 27. Now the tenth day of the fifth month, which was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, then Zeradan, the captain of the bodyguard, who was in the service of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. And he burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, even every large house he burned with fire. So all the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried away into exile some of the poorest of the people, the rest of the people who were left in the city, the deserters, who had deserted the king of Babylon, and the rest of the artisans. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen. Now the bronze pillars which belonged to the house of the Lord, and the stands of the bronze sea which were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried all the bronze to Babylon. And they also took away the pots, the shovels, the snuffers, the basins, the pans, and all the bronze vessels which were used in temple service. The captain of the guard also took away the bowls, the fire pans, the basins, the pots, the lampstands, the pans, the libation bowls, what was fine gold and what was fine silver. The two pillars, the one sea, and the twelve bronze bowls that were under the sea, and the stands which King Solomon had made for the house of the Lord. The bronze of all these vessels was beyond weight. As for the pillars, the height of each pillar was eighteen cubits. And it was twelve cubits in circumference and four fingers of thickness and hollow. Now a capital of bronze was on it, and the height of each capital was five cubits, with network and pomegranates on the capital all around, all of bronze. And the second pillar was like these, including pomegranates. And there were ninety-six exposed pomegranates. All the pomegranates numbered a hundred, a hundred on the network all around. And the captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, with the three officers of the temple. He also took from the city one official who was overseer of the men of war, and seven of the king's advisors who were found in the city, and the scribe and the commander of the army, who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the midst of the city. And Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guard took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And the king of Babylon struck them down and put them to death at Riblah in the hand of Hamath in the land of Hena. So Judah was led away into exile from his land. So, wow. Uh, the Babylonians burned the temple, the palace, all the important houses in Jerusalem, break down the walls around Jerusalem, carry away into exile the people, um, leaving only a handful of poor people, unskilled laborers to work the land. They've already taken a lot. I mean, they've taken two waves, Daniel and his friends, the sharp young people, back the first time Nebuchadnezzar invaded, and then Jehoiachin, Ezekiel, and others the second time, and left, you know, many really great leaders or anything. They tried to weaken the people. Now they really leave just a ragtag band of of a handful to work the land, and everybody else is taken into captivity. And they take all the stuff. They take all of the temple vessels, you know, the big stuff, they break in pieces and carry. The small stuff, they just wipe it out. You know, they take pretty much everything. I wonder, they've taken, Nebuchadnezzar have taken temple utensils back in Daniel chapter 1. These may have been replacement vessels that they had put in, and they take those now too. Ton of bronze, and, uh, you know, take all of it back to Babylon. It's so sad. I mean, everything they've got, 
you know, so so no people, no houses, no temple, no palace, no you know temple instruments and equipment. It's just wow, everything's sad. And they take all these officials, you know, the captain, the guard, and and the officials, the advisors, and all that, and kill them. And so Judah's led into exile. So you know everything is just dismantled, destroyed. Um, salvaged and carted off to Babylon or whatever. <coughs> Thoughts and comments? Exactly. It's the point of the chapter. Jeremiah had said this. You remember the false prophet who said within two full years, like Hananiah said, all the temple vessels will be brought back. And Jeremiah says, on one occasion, if you guys really want to help, pray that God not take the rest of them. <laughs> you know, that's really the, the more likely event, sure enough. It's just what Jeremiah said. Other thoughts? Matt? Jeremiah died before all of these events, correct? He did not. He was there. Yeah. Morgan? I find it very interesting. Like, in a couple of other passages, you see, like, people say, people wrote about how people just took stuff from the Lord's temple, from his house. They don't really go into detail of what they took, but in here you know they took this brass, they took this brass, they took this brass, they took this pillar, they took this pillar. It's like, why why, why is this one so more important than the others? But at the same time, it's just like, whoa, we know what they took. The full inventory, yeah. yeah it just makes it more real. When you detail and you break it down, practically article by article, it really makes you realize, wow, wow. You know, I mean, they're just gonna they're gonna take advantage of anything they can get for themselves. I'm just always surprised there's anything left. I know that's the truth. The number of times it's been raided. I assume they've re uh, refurnished it from time I, to time. I guess the pillars that always remain, but <laughs> some of these things weren't they originally gold? Yes. That are listed here? Yes. Okay. Some of them are. Wait, so they took the gold and then they replaced that's, it with bronze? That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. So I think some of the, I may be wrong, but I think some of the things would have been gold, like the censers and things like that. Well, even the capitals, the pomegranates, wasn't that all in gold originally, or is that not? I don't remember. You're probably right. But I don't remember, so... The netting, or whatever it's called, the lake, you know, the... Mm -hmm. The network, I guess it's called. These these pillars, 18 cubits and 12 cubits in circumference. (laughs) That's 20, uh, yeah, 77 feet tall. And then they got a 5 cubit. And then a (coughs) 5, yeah, 5 cubit. Yeah, some of the, a lot of the stuff was in bronze in First Kings seven. So I would have to go back and look a step at a time and see. Well, either way, there was you know it'd been raided many times and replaced and stolen and replaced. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm assuming is that they they you know Nebuchadnezzar took a bunch of it and they put some back and so forth. But at any rate, it's just sad. You know, it's just uh, you know, very heavy chapter. I mean, you think about the Jews reading this, and, and it didn't have to be that way. They could have listened to Jeremiah's warnings, and they could have repented, and this would have never happened. 
you know, you need to listen to prophet. You know, you need to do what they say. You know, I mean, God warned them. God didn't want this to happen. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, and we need this appendix just to kind of confirm what God spoke through Jeremiah. That's exactly what happened. You know, God doesn't warn uh, wastefully. I mean, when he warns, it's because there's danger. And how do we know what happened to Jeremiah since his words in the last chapter? Because he tells us earlier in the book. Um, really, especially chapter 39 to 44 tells us. Nebuchadnezzar was given the option to go to Babylon or to stay. He stayed. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what did I say? Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> yeah, an option. Uh, <laughs> 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 Jeremiah, yeah. I, you know, I always uh, have uh, Moses, uh, you know, preserving the animals in the ark and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jeremiah was given the option. He chose to stay with the people in the land under the governorship of Ishmael. Under the governorship of Gedaliah, who was killed by Ishmael. And the people end up deciding to go to Egypt, even though they weren't supposed to. Jeremiah told them not to. They asked Jeremiah to find out from the Lord what they ought to do, and they promised vowed they'd do anything God said and when God said don't go to Egypt they went to Egypt anyway and Jeremiah ended up accompanying them to Egypt whether by force or voluntarily I'm not sure and the last we see of him is in Egypt uh, in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 44 so that, that's how we know did things not work out well in Egypt? I forget well it wasn't the right thing for them to do we don't really see a lot but I mean what uh, Jeremiah 44 says is that Nebuchadnezzar was going to invade Egypt, so they weren't going to really get away from him. Because wasn't there something about the, the courtyard there and something was to be buried? Yeah. This is, the king of Babylon's going to come and right. sit right here. Right. And, oh, this is not the place to be now. Right. And, and I think when they went down there, I think they started offering sacrifices to the queen of heaven. Right. And the very people that went down there and just proved their hearts on Well, yeah, they claimed that the whole reason for the defeat and the captivity was because they'd quit worshiping the queen of heaven. That was the real problem. They were determined never to quit worshiping her anymore. You know... Wow, about as bad as they can get. So, so basically, that group was a dead end. You know, the future for the people of Israel was not those who were left in the land and went to Egypt, but was those who were in Babylonian captivity, which is the good fig, bad fig prophecy from Jeremiah twenty-four. I think what was really sad was the people that went down to Egypt when they were in the city. The sense they had it made, as Jeremiah said. I don't know. Like, if you stay here, the land belongs to you. And they're kind of like the remnant that God was going to give them to re-inhabit the land. And they just kind of inherently wasn't like a beautiful land anymore. But you know what I mean? God was going to make them the remnant there. And they turned it down. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, think all through what a difference it would have made if they'd have just listened to the Lord. You know, but they haven't consistently over decades, centuries, and here's the result. Okay. Uh, 28 to 34. These are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away into exile in the seventh year. 3,023 Jews in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. 832 persons from Jerusalem. In the 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried into exile... 745 Jewish people, and there were 4,600 persons in all. Now it came about in the 30, 
seventh year of the exile of Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the twenty-fifth day of the month, that the evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, showed favor to Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison, the Lord, and then he spoke kindly to him, and set his throne above the thrones of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed his prison clothes, and had meals in the king's presence regularly all the days of his life, where his allowance, a regular allowance, was given him by the king of Babylon, a daily portion all the days of his life until the day of his death. Well, this is kind of a uh, question mark for us in some ways here, as we uh, look at uh, Jeremiah 52, starting in 28, uh, because... You've got Nebuchadnezzar carrying these groups away into exile in the 7th year, 18th year, and 23rd year. And he's carrying numbers of people that we might not have expected to be so low. So what are these captivities? I'm going to make a couple suggestions. I'm not confident. But here are some possibilities. Is the 7th year of Nebuchadnezzar when he went in and carried away Jehoiachin and Ezekiel and that wave, that would have been about the seventh year of Nebuchadnezzar. He became king, actually, right after he took Daniel and those guys into captivity. So that would have worked out about the seventh year. Then 11 years later, the 18th year, that would have been when he took Zedekiah and the rest of the people. The 23rd year is kind of a problem for us. Who did he take five years later? Could there have been some others he took? Uh, some who may have been left behind after Gedaliah was killed? Or something like that? That's kind of the question mark there. We really don't know anything about that third wave in the 23rd year of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but no reason that there couldn't have been some other taking of captives that were left there into captivity, I assume. We also don't know when Gedaliah was killed. I mean, you don't know if it was right after he began reigning over some years after. And so, you know, that's another question mark. Perhaps this was a captivity even before Gedaliah was killed. Who knows? Um, the, the numbers seem low. Only th- 3,023 Jews, uh, if we're in, in maybe Jehoiachin's time, only 832 and the time when he took them into Babylon and Zedekiah's day, and another 745, I mean, that just doesn't seem like enough. I'm not sure what to do with that. One people, Some people suggest only this is only an account of the males, or maybe the males that were men of war. We do know there are times when only those were counted. That might help some. Uh, maybe some other things count women and children. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe these are family groups. Um, there's a lot of things sometimes in these points that we're not sure. You know, we get some information here, but we're not sure exactly what it is and how to fit it in. Um, so, do you have thoughts and comments through verse 30? Do we have other numbers listed somewhere else? Well, a little bit. Uh, for example, in Second Kings chapter... Uh, 24 and uh, verse 14 uh, with the deportation in connection with Jehoiachin 
which was the eighth year of, of his reign in verse 12, uh, he led away into exile all Jerusalem, all the captives, all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, all the craftsmen and the smiths, none remained except the poorest people of the land. So that would be 10,000 as opposed to what we're seeing as 3,023. Is that the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign in that reference? It would have to Probably be. Probably because verse 11. Yeah, because Jehoiachin had reigned three months. So, yeah, we do have that. Maybe there's some other references numerically also, I'm not sure. Okay, uh, then, going back to Jeremiah 52, 31 to 34, in the 37th year of Jehoiachin's exile, remember he was exiled in that second wave in about 597, this was when evil Merodach was Babylonian, Babylon's king, that he was shown favor, released from prison, um, treated as royalty, uh, he ate uh, dinner in the king's presence every day, had a regular allowance. He was treated like sort of a prince after 37 years of imprisonment. I mean, that's an awfully long time to be in prison for a guy who only ruled for three months. But at least by the 37th year of his imprisonment, he's you know, on up to being uh, my age, I suppose, uh, at that point, he there's at least this is a hopeful sign. Almost closes the book of Jeremiah on a hopeful note. The tide's turning a little bit. Uh, there's there's a little better days coming. You know, Jehoiachin's fate has improved, and uh, this kind of maybe a lead-in to seeing uh, the the uh, opportunity to return from captivity and and rebuild and restore Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of interesting that Jeremiah, which is a very bleak book when it's all said and done, does end on a more positive note than what you might have expected. Comments and thoughts on that? Would he have been old at this time? He's been in prison for 37 He would be about my age. Yeah. He was, I think, am I right that he was, it depends on your attack, so but 18, I think, when he became a guest. That's very young. He was just a child. <laughs> Other thoughts? Mike? Well, he was the one that actually did surrender and went out to Nebuchadnezzar, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Didn't he go out to Nebuchadnezzar? Because to me, that was the, a, a significant point that, you know, Jeremiah kept telling others to go out to Nebuchadnezzar, they wouldn't do it. It was the, wasn't that he was a good king or. But he did go out to Yeah, I mean, Second Kings 24 to 12, Joachim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon. So I don't know if we're to see that the Lord showed mercy to the person who submitted to him, at least in that case. Okay, I hadn't I mean, thought about it that way, but that could be. That was an act of okay, faith in the prophet. Yeah. Okay, good, good thought. I hadn't thought about that. What was that verse? It was uh, Second, Second Kings 24 12. Thank you. Yeah, because Zedekiah didn't get released from prison. He may not have still been around for all we know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He didn't. At least it's not recorded if he did. Actually, Zedekiah was also kind of a lineage dead end. I mean, Jehoiachin's grandson as best we can tell, was Zerubbabel, 
that leads the people back to the land. And Jehoiachin and Zerubbabel in the lineage of Christ. So, as far as the future is concerned, Jehoiachin being freed would be more significant than Zedekiah being freed anyway. Other thoughts or comments? Alright, well, it's good to uh, study together. And uh, we are going to work on lamentation.